All right, and, and we, we began, I don't know what, two or three weeks ago talking about covenant power and blessing. And, and the last couple of weeks we've been sharing about how that, uh, that David and Jonathan entered into a covenant together and we saw the, the power of that covenant. I won't go back through that because I have too much to get into tonight. If you weren't here, you can go on the web and, and watch it or download it or you can get a CD of it. Uh, but tonight, I, here's last couple of weeks we talked about who am I. Tonight, here's, here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about power through weakness. Now, that may sound, you know, like an oxymoron, kind of like giant shrimp, you know, governmental intelligence. Uh, I'm stopping before I get in trouble. Um, but, but we're going to talk tonight about power through weakness, and I'm going to show you. Now, remember, we're, we're talking about covenant, this, this whole aspect of covenant that God has made with mankind and how powerful that is. The book of 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, the 9th verse, New International Version, reads this way. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Now, watch what the Apostle Paul said. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. That is so messed up. So that Christ's power may rest on me. Uh, how many of you know that, that in the church world today, we don't boast about our weaknesses? I mean, we, that's, that's why we hide. That's why we cover up. That's why we dress up on Sunday and hallelujah, brother. Right? Uh, that, that's that whole facade thing that we do. And yet the Apostle Paul said that God spoke to him and said, uh, my grace is sufficient for you and, and my, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And he said, man, because of that, he said, man, I'm just going to let everybody know what my weakness is. And he, and, he, and he lays that out. Then the book of Psalms, the 81st chapter and the 10th verse, is another passage, and we're going to be basing tonight's teaching out of both of these. Uh, Psalms 81.10 says, again, out of the New International Version, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Now, this is the next part that I want to kind of key in on. Again, the psalmist is talking there to the children of Israel and saying, uh, you know, he is our God who brought us up out of Egypt. He said, open, your, open wide your mouth, and I will fill it. Now, here's, here's what I've heard that scripture used for, all right? Uh, how many of you have ever gone to church and the pastor was not prepared? Come on, I've been there. In fact, I've probably been that pastor, all right? And, and I've, I've heard pastors say, well, you know, I didn't have time to study this week and I didn't have time to really get in the Word like I should, but the Word of God says that open your mouth wide and God will fill in, so I'm just going to do that tonight. And we're all sitting there in the audience going, oh, no, it's really going to be rough tonight. All right, and so I want to show you actually as we kind of move into this, what, what this is really about. When you begin to study the Bible, what you find is, is that the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation is a book about covenant. In fact, uh, the Old Testament, the New Testament really could be better translated, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood uh, at, the, at what we refer to as the Last Supper there. And, and if I can begin, though, by going back to the Old Covenant tonight, to talk to you that if we could understand the old covenant, then we can begin to move into the freedom of the new covenant. 
if I can understand what God did with his children back there and how he established his righteousness and his power in them back there, then when I get into the new covenant, I can begin to live in a much greater manner uh, than I do. Uh, here's, here's the problem with especially Americans, westernized people, is that we crave the instant, right? I mean, we, we want it and we want it when? Right now. I mean, we, we got to have it. I mean, you know, we're praying for patience. Lord, I want patience and I want it now. D- let me just help you. Don't pray for patience. If, the Bible tells you how you get patience. The Bible says tribulation worketh patience. If you're paying, praying for patience, that just means you're asking to have a bunch of tribulation in your life. So I've had people come to me because most of you know I'm pretty much a type A personality. and say, Pastor, we're praying for you to have patience. And I just rebuke you when you do that. Be, because I, I don't want that tribulating part, all right? So, so we're, we're kind of like, what we want to do is we see somebody who's greatly used of God or we see something that's working well in somebody's life. And so what, what we want to do is we kind of want to do what the seven sons of Sceva do. Uh, remember that story there? Uh, the seven sons of Sceva had heard the apostles and they'd been casting out demons and all this stuff. And, and so they said, uh, well... Uh, by the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the Word of God says that that one demon-possessed man tore them up. And, and they, f- they fled, the Scripture said, without their clothes. I mean, it was, it was a messed up mess. And I, and I see that happen a lot in our lives. See, it's, I can't just say what somebody else says and expect to get back what they got. And, and I hear it all the time. Well, I, you know, I watch so-and-so on television or I watch, you know, uh, pastor so-and-so or I heard this and, and they said if I would just say this then I would get the same thing and I want to tell you uh, uh, th- there's, a, there's a price to be paid for everything now I understand Jesus paid it all but in your life you have to understand what is happening if you want to receive the blessings that God has for you and so it's not just parroting right how, how many of you know parents can, can say words but they have no clue what they're saying and I've seen a lot of Christians that way. Well, I just confess I'm healed, I'm healthy, I'm whole, I'm powerful, I'm, I'm mighty, I'm anointed. And they're busted and disgusted and broke. And I just look at them and I say, you, can say, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I've, have you ever been to eat with anybody who, who orders uh, one of these one of these, I don't, you know, these, these blooming onion things or, or these cheese fries, and then they, they pray and they say, now, Lord, we rebuke every calorie. And, and I just want to look at them and go, you're so dumb. All right? Because the Bible says some things come by prayer and fasting. It didn't say by prayer and feasting. Okay? And, and so, you know, you can't cast out calories. Right? And so you, you can't just pair it. You can't just say what somebody else says and, and all this kind of stuff. And so they said, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, you know, or, or I, I'm just going to say what so-and-so said. I'm going to believe for the same thing they got. It doesn't work that way. Here's why. God does not work from secondhand knowledge. Don't miss that. If you have to have a revelation. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elias. Some say, he's, and he said, well, who do you say? Peter said, thou art the Christ. All of a sudden, there was a revelation. And Jesus said to him, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed this. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Why? Because Peter had a revelation. Now, Peter's messed up. 
right? This will help some of you. I mean, he goes from this great revelation. You just keep reading a few verses later. Jesus turns around and says, you're the devil. He, he, does he not? He says, get behind me, Satan. He didn't say, get behind me, you're full of Satan. He said, Peter, you're the devil. Now, you, you just went from this great encounter, this great revelation to, you know, just a few passages later, the Lord's calling you the devil. That's, that's a fall from grace. All right, why? Be, because you can have a revelation of one thing and not have a revelation of something else. See, as we look at the totality of the body of Christ, we see all kind of churches and, and, and all kind of denominations and all kind of people, and, and this group talks about this a lot, and this group talks about that, and this group talks about that, and, and it doesn't mean that one group is better or one group's going to heaven quicker or any of that. It just means that, that maybe one group has a, a real great revelation of salvation, and so they're talking about salvation. There may be another group that has a great understanding of, of you know, who Jesus is and how he ought, and so they, they're talking about that. Somebody else over here is talking about healing. Somebody else is talking about faith. And what it is is that they're taking revelation. Now, the, the thing that all of us need to be striving for is, is not to ever get caught up in one great revelation. We, we, we need to take the revelation we have but say, God, what else is there out there that I need to have revealed in my life? And so when you begin to pursue it that way, you begin to see some things. Now, here's, I'm, I'm going to give you four, maybe five, but probably only four things tonight. All right? So here, if, if you really want to have this freedom uh, in your life and you, and you want to understand power through weakness, number one is you've got to know where you stand in God. Let me say that again. You must know where you stand in God. Let me read the scripture to you again. Psalm 81.10 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. First part, he says, I am the Lord your God. In other words, what he's saying is that there is a special hold on God. You are my God. All right? And so I've got to know where I stand. If, if I don't know that he is my God, if he's somebody else's God, big deal. He's got to be my God. And, and he says, if you understand that I am your God, then he said, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Now, again, what is that talking about? Can, can I break this down for you so you understand? It is the picture of a baby bird. This passage, when you begin to look at it, it's the picture of a bird who cannot fly, doesn't have its wings yet, it's in the nest. And, and have you ever seen the, the bird when the mama bird comes back with the, you know, the, the good meal of worm? Right? What, is the, what does the baby bird do? Opens his mouth wide. It doesn't do anything. It, it, does, it, it can't make anything happen. It just, and, and that's what God tells us. He said, if you would just learn to open your mouth wide, I would fill it. Well, if I could just do more, if I could just pay more, if I could just pray more, if I could just go more, if I could, God said, just chill. He said, open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. It's, it's this total dependence on God. It's, it's saying, Lord, if, if you don't do it, it's not going to be done. If you don't come through, it's not going to happen. It's that, Lord, in my weakness, there's strength. And that strength is not of me, that strength is of you. 
The, the whole understanding is, is when they said, he, when, when the psalmist there said, you are our God, you're my God, what, what the deal was is, is that he was their God because of the blood covenant. This covenant that had been established is what put the special hold. He's not just God, he's our God. See, that's, the, the, remember when Jesus' disciples came to him and they said, teach us to pray. And he did, Jesus did not pray the way the rabbis prayed. The, the, the rabbis wouldn't even, even use the name of God. In fact, a scribe, when they were writing the Old Testament, uh, when, when they would get to the name Jehovah, number one, they wouldn't write out the whole name because they were afraid of blasphemy, which some of us ought to get a back hold of. All right? And, and then, even when they would write it, they would go change clothes, take a bath, and come back after they wrote the name of God. That's how fearful they were of, of misusing the name of God. And, and yet, when Jesus got ready to teach his disciples to pray, he messed up everybody. Because he said, when you get ready to pray, here's how you pray. Pray this way. Our what? Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And it was like, wow. I mean, we, we go from this place of he's so far off and... He's out there somewhere and we can't touch him to all of a sudden now he is our father. Why? Because of the blood covenant, because of that hole that we have on him. Remember when we talked about this the last couple of weeks, uh, that what the blood covenant meant is, is that you have all of me and I have all of you. You have everything that I've got, but I've got everything that you have as well. And so there's, there was that exchange that took place. They would exchange weapons. They would exchange clothes. They would exchange bank accounts. They would even exchange names or take the other one's name. Uh, it was that whole thing that happened. And so this, this whole understanding has to come tonight is this. God made a covenant with Abraham in the book of Genesis, the 15th chapter. Well, you can read it when you go home. I don't have time to read it to you. But in the 15th chapter of the book of Genesis, uh, after Lot has been taken into captivity, uh, God comes and begins to talk to, to Abraham. After Abraham makes this uh, declaration with Melchizedek and, and gets, says, I'm not going to say let any man say he's made me rich and all this kind of stuff. Then the 15th chapter, God shows up. And, and he and Abraham have this conversation. And Abraham says, God, you told me I was going to have a child. And he said, you know, I, don't, I guess Eleazar is going to have to be his seed. And, and God said, no, you go outside. He said, look at the heavens. And he said, see the stars. And Abraham goes out. He looks at the heavens. He says, count them. He can't count them. He said, as the, as the stars are in the sky, so will your descendants be. And Abraham goes, God, how is this going to happen? How is this going to take place? And then as you get toward the end of the 15th chapter, God tells Abraham, he says, go, he says, go and get a heifer, go and get a goat, go and get a sheep, go and get a turtle dove, go and get a pigeon. I think I, there were like five different animals God said go and get. And he said, take them and, and slay them and offer them to me. And so Abraham took the animals and he laid them out, uh, you know, on either side there. And then the Bible says this, the Bible says that God put Abraham to sleep. And then God showed up and walked through the pieces of the covenant. Now, remember, we talked before, is that when you entered in the covenant with somebody, each of you would walk between the pieces of the, of the sacrifice, and you would make covenant, and that symbolized the actual splitting of that animal symbolized that if you broke that covenant, that it would take death to break it. And so God shows up, and here's what God is saying to man. God is saying, you can't make covenant with me. In other words, what does God need from us? 
So he puts Abraham in a deep sleep. Abraham is sleeping. God comes and walks through the pieces of the fire, or comes and walks through the pieces of the sacrifice with a burning fire, the Scripture says, and he makes this covenant with Abraham. And he, he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bring about all these things. But he says it in such a way that it's interesting. He said, I'm going to bless your seed. And so when you, when you begin to look at that, there, there's this whole aspect of Abram's seed. Now, I'm not, I know I'm going a little deep, but you've got to get this to where, where we've got to go, okay? So I know you've worked hard, but listen carefully, all right? Because when you go to the book of Galatians, the third chapter, and again, go home and read it, Paul begins to talk about that we have been given the right as Abraham's seed. And then he continues to talk, and he says, And God made a decree to Abraham to his seed not seeds and he goes through that and explains that Abraham's seed was Jesus Christ all right now get this so what what we have been waiting for from the time of Abraham until Jesus showed up was for God to make covenant with himself because the scripture says when he could swear by no one greater he swore by himself and what did he say He said, I will provide a lamb. I will provide a ransom. I will provide one who is able to come into your life and who can change you. And so the Bible says, again, go home and read it. Galatians 3 is the place. It says that that God blessed the, the Old Testament people because of Jesus Christ, not because of what they were doing. See, we've, we've messed it all up. We thought that God blessed the children of Israel because they kept the law. Have you ever read the Old Testament? Come on, how many of you have ever read the Old Testament? They didn't keep the law one day. They never kept the law. God said, don't do this, and they said, we'll do it. God said, do that, and they said, we won't. I mean, I, I mean as, as Moses is up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, they're down in the valley having an orgy. Did I shock you? That's what was going on. I mean, it was, it was, it was pandemonium among the children of Israel. It was, it was a horrible mess. And, and Ab- I mean, Moses comes down and sees it and breaks the Ten Commandments, and God takes him back up, and he goes through the whole process again. Uh, but, but there's this whole understanding that they never kept the law. And yet we, we kind of have this idea, well, boy, they were really spiritual. They kept the law. And they, they didn't. And, and so God blessed even the Old Testament saints on the basis of Jesus Christ. And, and we go through that whole thing. He changed, changed his name from Abram to Abra what? Abraham. He changed her name from Sarai to Sarah. In other words, what he did was he placed his own name in their name. Jehovah. He placed his name. Abraham. Sarah. He placed part of his name in them. The Word of God lets us know that when we come into relationship with God, that God gives us a new heart and he gives us a new name. The Scripture says uh, in the book of Revelation that he's going to write a name on a white stone uh, that nobody's going to know, and and that's going to be kept for us until we get to heaven. In other words, when you get to heaven, you're going to have a new name. All right. And, and so th- there's this whole aspect. We talked last week about the seal, which was circumcision. And, and all of this is passed on. You go from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob uh, to the 12 sons to the 12 tribes. Uh, and then you get to the place where the law is given. 
And, and all of these things are taking place. And, and then God has them stand between the two mountains. Remember we talked about that, uh, the Mount Gerizim and the Mount Ebal. And he says, you know, on your right is the Mount of Blessing. On your left is the, is the Mount of Cursing. And if you'll do the things that I've told you to do, you'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the field. You'll be blessed going in. You'll be blessed coming out. Went through that whole process. He said, but if you don't do what the covenant says, he said, then, uh, you know, you're going to have disease. You're going to have sickness. You're going to have maladies. You're going to have all these things happen. Well, I mean, that happens on that day. And if you study the Scripture, it, it, I mean, it's not a week's time. They're already messing up. Right? Why? Because you can't keep the law. How many of you know the only thing that the law does is, is frustrate you? Right? The law tells you what you ought to do, but it's frustrating. Can I just tell you, on my way here today, as, as I was coming to this evening, um, I, I, the, 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 boy, all the policemen don't listen to pastor for a minute. Uh, the speed limit on the road that I live on and then the road I turn on to get here, uh, it, it's 30 and then it goes to 40. Well, I always figure I got at least 10 more. Figures that I got that much grace. But for some reason or not, I got behind the guy. He does not understand grace. He only understood law. And I'm telling you, I was just, I mean, all the way here, I'm going, you know, it's what, three miles to my house maybe? And, and, and I was stressed out by the time I got here. Because that guy, on the 30, we've got 29 and a half. And I'm, I'm, he's here and I'm right here. Come on, Bubba, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Got out here on this one, 40, 39 and a half. Come on, Bubba. I, I, I like grace. I'm your God. You're my people. The law is going to frustrate you. The law is going to mess you up. See, what, the, the second thing you have to understand is that God always takes initiative for a covenant. All right? Number one is you've got to know who you are and where you stand. Number two is you've got to understand God's, God's the prime mover. It's, it's like people who say, you know, I found the Lord. Let me help you. The Lord wasn't lost. You were. You didn't find the Lord. It's like, well, he was, he was missing. No, he wasn't. We were missing. He found us. All right? So he always takes the initiative for the covenant. And, and when you understand that, then, then you can begin to, to live at a, at a little different level. And so God said, I can't enter into covenant with man, but I can enter into covenant with my son. And so, so everything actually from the time of Genesis chapter 3 where, where Adam and Eve sin and God says uh, there's, there's going to be one who comes who, who Satan, you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. From that point until Jesus shows up some 4,000 years later, everything in the Old Testament is waiting on Jesus to get here. It really is. It's, it's just it's kind of hanging there saying, okay, when is he coming? When is he going to get here? But God continued to bless the Old Testament people, the children of Israel, on the basis that Jesus was coming because it was the seed of Abraham and God had already made this covenant, okay? So when you understand that, always understand God always takes the initiative for covenant. Now, when you understand covenant, this is number three because I want to get us somewhere. When you understand covenant, you depend on God. 
See, I, I know way too many Christians who are trying to make themselves acceptable to God. I mean, come on, if, if we were to tell the truth, how many times do we walk into church and, and we won't worship because we had a bad thought or we, we did something wrong or we, you know, man, we really got bad, we cut somebody out or we, I know y'all would never do that. That was some other church I pastored did that. Uh, you know, we, we, we stole something. We, I mean, whatever the thought is or whatever the action is, whatever it was, and so we come into church and, and we wait until the end of the service, and then we kind of get some kind of release. Oh, thank you, Lord, I'm going to go, I'm, gonna, I'm still safe. Instead of just understanding that, the, here's what the Bible says. If you walk in the light, as he is in the light, and you have fellowship one with the other, that means coming together, it says, then the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses you from all sin. I, I don't think we heard that. If you walk in the light, as he is in the light, and you have fellowship one with another, then the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all, all, A-L-L, all sin. Now, that's open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. I didn't do anything to deserve it. Well, pastor, if you, if you teach people this, then, you know, then they won't try to live for God. No, no, no. When you understand what Jesus Christ has done for you, you will want to do the right things. You will want to live the right way. You will want to respond with the right actions. But you also will learn not to live in condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but who walk after the Spirit. And people say, well, that's great when I'm walking after the Spirit, but there are moments when I'm walking after the flesh. No, that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Is that not what Jesus said? So that means if I've come into relationship with God, yes, I still have flesh and bone, but I am now walking after the Spirit even when I don't do everything right. So therefore, there's no condemnation in my life. Now, I've had people try to make me feel condemned. I've had people walk up to me and say, I can't believe you did such and such, you know, 10 years ago. I remember you when. I remember, you know, all this stuff. Anybody got people like that in your life? Right? Try to pour that condemnation. But I just refuse to be condemned. Why? Because Jesus Christ has set me free. And whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. All right? So when you understand the covenant, you depend on God. Uh, you know, the, the whole thing. God, God had said in the book of Ex, excuse me, the book of Genesis, the 15th chapter, uh, he'd given Moses all this stuff, and he said, you're going to have all these descendants. And he said, they're going to go into captivity. And he said, in 400 years, he said, I'm going to deliver you, deliver them because of the covenant I've made with you. 400 years later, 430 years later, God delivers the children of Israel because of the covenant that he made with Abraham. And so what does Moses do? Does Moses show up with a big army? Does, does Moses come with the latest technological warfare? Moses shows up with a neat little trick that he sticks his hand in his cloak and he pulls it out and it's leprous and he puts it back and it's whole and he's got a staff that he throws down and it becomes a snake and, and you know, he's got a few other little things that he does, but he, that's it. Why? 
because he's got a covenant. That's all he needs. All you need is a covenant. Please hear me tonight. If you don't get anything else out of this, all you need is a covenant. Because if you understand the covenant, and, and so Moses just shows up and Moses says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, not a, not a chance. Moses says, you really ought to. It would really be good if you would. And, and Pharaoh says, no, I don't think so. Moses says, ah, okay, let's, uh, let's do this. And so we turn the water to blood. And Moses and Pharaoh have this conversation. Pharaoh says, yeah, I think I'll let him go. And and the Bible says his heart's hardened. He says, no, I won't let him go. And Moses says, you really ought to. And so Moses says, okay, we're going to have lice. We're going to have flies. We're going to have, I mean, you know, you know the story. It goes through ten of them. You're going to let my people go on number nine. No, nah, I don't think I will. You really ought to. What, what is Moses doing? All Moses is doing is just saying, you're my God. I open my mouth wide. You fill it. You're doing all this, God. I mean, did, did Moses do any of these? No. Moses didn't do a thing. All Moses is is opening his mouth wide and letting God fill it. And he just speaks out what God is saying. And so they just stand there. Two million people, been slaves for 430 years. They don't have any provisions. They don't have any savings. They don't have anything. But here's the fun part. If you go back, and again, I, I don't have time to read it all, but if you go back to Genesis 15 and 16, you see where God told Abraham, when I bring them out, they're going to be wealthy. They're going to have everything they need. They're going to have all this stuff. So 430 years later, God remembers his covenant, and everybody's going, Moses, you are crazy. Somebody walks up to Moses, hey, Moses, you got any money? Nope. Moses, where are you taking these people? Don't know. Moses, it's hot in the desert. You're going to die of sunstroke. I don't know. Moses, it gets cold at night. You're going to freeze. I don't know. Moses, there's no Kroger in the desert. You're going to starve to death. Moses, you know it gets over 100 degrees and you don't have any water. Moses, there's desert pirates called the Amalekites that are in the desert. What are you going to do? What does crazy Moses do? He just says, I got a covenant. God told me to come down here. I'm just doing what God said. And you know what God did? Didn't have any money, but he told the children of Israel, go to all the Egyptians and tell them you want all their money. Now think about that. So all the little, Egypt, all the little Israelite women went to all the Egyptian women and said, uh, you know, all the gold, all the silver, all those nice necklaces you've been wearing, all those earrings, all that stuff you got, I want it. And that little Egyptian woman goes, I don't know why, but I'm going to give it all to you. And they walked out wealthy, rich abundance so didn't have any money but God gave them money then they didn't know where they were going but the Bible says that there was a cloud and when the cloud would go left they'd go left and when the cloud went right they'd go right and when the cloud went straight ahead they went straight ahead and when the cloud just stayed they didn't move that's a pretty good GPS <laughs> so God gave them a GPS what they do just open their mouth wide they'd fill it it's, it's, you know, they, they got the whole uh, daytime business with the sun, and God puts a cloud cover. They're freezing at night. God gives them a fire by night. What are they doing? They're just opening their mouth wide, and God's filling it. They're hungry. What does God say? He says, go to the edge of the cloud. And he said, I'm going to give you enough for one day. He said, I'm going to give you manna. 
And then they, they said, well, we, we really don't like manna. We'd like to have some meat. And God said, okay, I'm going to give you so much quail that it'll run out of your nose. So God gave them meat and manna and, and, and all this. And, and, and they're just dependent. I mean, they are, they are utterly dependent on God. Now, our problem is we don't like that. Now, again, let's go back to Jesus and his prayer. Jesus said, pray this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, watch this next part. Give us this day our daily bread. What are we saying? God, I'm totally dependent on you and your covenant. Now, we don't like that because we want plenty of bread for the next six months. We want to know everything that God's up to. We want to know everything that's going to be happening. And we get a little antsy when we don't know what the next step is. And yet God says, if you will just be totally dependent as that baby bird, if you will just open your mouth wide, I will fill it. If you want water, hit the rock, water will come, and the water will follow you through the desert. If the Amalekites come, the Bible says all that Moses had to do was raise his hand, and the Amalekites fell back, and God destroyed them. Why? Because they are in a covenant with God Almighty. You say, Pastor, what are you saying to us? Here's what I'm saying. If God will do that, and remember, for 40 years they're in total rebellion against God. If God will do that for rebellious Israelites that only have a natural covenant through Abraham, what more will God do for those of us who have a covenant through Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son? But we've got to open our mouths wide and let God fill it. We've got to relax in what he is. Uh, the, the Word of God lets us know that God revealed himself through the law. The, the, I want to say something about the law. The law's not bad. The law's beautiful. I mean, if, if, if somebody could live up to that, I mean, you talk about a perfect life. I mean, if somebody could just live up to the Ten Commandments. My brother, I live up to the Ten Commandments. You don't either. I mean, I just throw one out at you. You don't keep the Sabbath day holy. Wow. Well, I go to church every Sunday. That's not the Sabbath. Wow. <laughs> Can I just be politically incorrect for a minute? We're, we're, and I, I'm not against it, but we're all trying to, well, we got to keep the Ten Commandments in the school. we got to keep the Ten Commandments in the courthouse. we got to keep Ten Commandments. We're not living up to the Ten Commandments. We're not under the Ten Commandments. Now, the, the aspects of the Ten Commandments are still applicable, but we don't live up to the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother, are we going to kill you? There's not one teenager that would live to be 20. <laughs> not a one. I mean, we'd, we'd have took every one of them out to the city gates and stoned them at about 14. Hmm. You know, as much as we talk about the Old Testament being law, do you know that the Old Testament's full of grace? I mean, look at the life of David. David does all kind of stuff God should have killed him for. And God just says, oh, that's my boy. I know he's messing up, but he's mine. I mean, you, you just study the Old Testament. Even though there is law, there's, all, there's grace all the way through it. Now, let, me, let me do this. Here's what you have to understand. Number four is this. Is that the, 
the law shows us what we are like. What's the purpose of the law? To show us what we're really like. So let me, let me explain that to you. It's like a, a man who, you know, he's, let, let's say he's been out for days and he comes back home and he, and he goes to the mirror and he looks in the mirror and he sees that he needs to shave. The law is like that mirror. It shows us what we need to do. Our problem is, is that then we want to pick up the law and start shaving. You don't take the mirror to shave with. Not deep, just think. All right? What, what is the mirror for? The mirror is to show me what I'm like so that I can get the solution somewhere else. The mirror is not the solution. The mirror shows me what's wrong. The solution is somewhere else. The law is not something I can take and begin to try to live by because I can't do it. The law shows me. The apostle Paul said it this way. He said, before the law came along, he said, I thought I was doing pretty good. He said, then the law showed up. I began to read. And he said, the law made me want to do stuff I hadn't even thought about doing yet. So, so what's the law for? The law is to show me what I'm like so that I can run to Jesus and allow him to take care of my stuff. I cannot take the mirror and shave. I cannot read the law and fulfill it and start saying, man, I, I got that wrong with me, I've got that wrong with me, I've got this, all this stuff is messed up in my life. God gives us the law to show us what he is like so when we know what he is like, it makes us run to Jesus. You know what the Bible says? The Word of God says, it is the goodness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. It's God's goodness. David understood this well. We, we, talk, we love to talk about David and Goliath and that whole thing, but, but what we don't talk about a lot of times is that was a spiritual battle. Goliath was cursing with his gods. He was using his gods as a curse. And D David, watch what David said. David said, I don't come against you with a sword or spear. He said, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. David said, I understand my covenant right. David said, I'm a shepherd boy. All I got is five rocks. But it's not me, it's God. And so I come against you in the name of the Lord. When we begin to live that way, we can begin to see the virtue of the Lord being released in our life. All, all through Scripture, again, in the Old Testament, you find time and again, Hezekiah, the Assyrians are coming to destroy Jerusalem. And what does Hezekiah do? He's got this letter. The Assyrians said, sent him a letter and said, if you don't surrender by such and such time, we're going to kill you. Here's all the stuff we're going to do. Hezekiah gets that letter, and, and I love it. And I've done this. I, I've done this. I've done this, this in this house this year. Hezekiah takes the letter. He goes to the altar. He lays it on the altar, and he says, hey, God, read this. You can go home. I'm not making it up. Lord, read that. 
God can read. That was some stuff going on a while back, just mess, and, and, and you know, I, I get nice stuff sometimes in letter form sometimes. And I just brought it in here, and I laid, I laid it right there, and I just said, God, read that. I know, I know some of y'all think I got a strange relationship with God. That's all right. I said, God, read this. I said, I'm tired of these people. I, I'm tired of them always turning everything upside down. I'm, I'm tired. It wasn't any of you. Relax. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm tired of, you know, outside people saying. I, I said, Lord, you take care of it. And you know what? He did. He did for he did for us. You, you read Isaiah thirty seven. Um, God's a God of covenant. In fact, the Bible says the Assyrians died in their sleep. Didn't, didn't even have to fight. I mean, didn't have to struggle. I, I am believing, and I, and I don't know how many of you want this, but I am I am coming to the place that I am beginning to believe for sweatless victory. I am tired of struggling. I am tired of warfare. I am tired of having to pray for. 10 years to get an answer. I'm just saying, God, your covenant says your blessings are mine. They're, they're, they're forever settled. Uh, you know, it's yes and amen in Jesus. And Lord, I'm settled on that. And God, I'm just believing that, that I'm in this covenant relationship. And thank you, God, for what you're doing. And just sit back and enjoy the ride. All right? Jehoshaphat. I love that name. Name your, name your next kid, Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. Had the people to pray to the, listen to the God of Abraham. He didn't know what to do. Didn't know what was going on, and and God just said, "Here's what I want you to do: put the praisers out front, and begin to declare that the goodness of the Lord endures forever." Really? That's it? Yeah, that's it. And the Bible says, as as the praisers did that, God set ambushments against Moab and and Ammon and the whole thing, and He killed them. They turned on each other and killed each other. And all that the Israelites had to do was walk in and take the spoils. Now, wouldn't it be great in whatever it is that you're facing that if all of a sudden that you just begin to say, Lord, your mercy endures forever. Your covenant right is mine. I walk in relationship with you. I believe you for your goodness. And all of a sudden, God just begins to work it out on your behalf. Pretty powerful stuff. The Bible says Elijah prayed and said it's not going to rain. And it didn't rain. And James says, and I love this, James says that he was a man of like passion as we are. Now, that's encouraging to me. That, that means he had a lot of junk. And yet God, because of covenant, still did it. When, when we begin to understand what God says he's going to do, we begin to live differently. God told us in Jeremiah 31, he says, I'm going to, put, I'm going to make this thing new. When he said, when, when the Messiah comes, he said, I'm going to put the law in your heart. He said, no longer is man going to have to say one to the other, uh, thou, you know, do this, do that. He said, I'm going to put it inside of you. And he said, you're going to begin to live from a different way. He said, your sins are going to be wiped out and the law is going to be inside. Now, now I don't know about you, but... Are you ready for this? Come on, you want to hear it? I still have some sin issues. Now, I know a couple of you are perfect. 
But for the rest of us that are still struggling, please give us a moment. I've still got some issues with sin. And no, it's none of your business what they are. But here's what I know, that I have a covenant with Jesus Christ. And all I've got to do is open my mouth wide and he'll fill it. I've got to expand my thinking. The Bible says that God pardoned our sins, that we were made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And, and so, so, you know, we, we, Lord, I, you know, I'm going, I'm struggling. Lord, God, make me happy. And the Bible says he'll give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. Lord, I, I, I need peace. And the Bible says he'll give us a peace that passeth all understanding. Lord, I can't get along with that boss at work. And the word of God says he'll give you the love of God that'll be shed abroad in your heart. Who's doing all of that? Are you doing that? Not a one of them. God's doing that. God's making that happen. 2 Corinthians 12 said his strength is made perfect in weakness. I'll close with this. How many of you struggle with temptation? The rest of you just lost. Because you were tempted to be perfect right then. We all struggle with temptation. And our problem is, is that we spend all of our time trying to say no to the temptation. Well, Pastor, that's what I've been taught. I'm supposed to say no to temptation. Can I give you a different way to overcome temptation? Can I tell you how to do it? Don't say no to temptation. Say yes to Jesus. Say yes to the covenant. Instead of focusing on the issue at hand, I'm struggling with lust, I'm struggling with alcohol, I'm struggling uh, with cocaine, I'm struggling with lying, I'm str- what, whatever it is, instead of trying, trying to always say no, let's turn our attention and let's start saying yes to Jesus. Lord, I open my mouth wide. Would you fill it today? God, I'm, I'm, I got this. I know it's over here. I'm not stupid, and I know, I, but it's there. But today I'm letting your righteousness come. I'm letting your power come. I'm letting your glory come in my life today. And as you say yes to Jesus because of the covenant that we have with him, in your weakness, he becomes your strength. And you begin to live an overcoming life. And that's what it's about. It's not about, oh, if I can just, no. It's about understanding the covenantial blessings that God has made with us through Abraham to Jesus Christ to us. The Bible says that if we have faith, then we are the seed of Abraham and heirs to the promise of the covenant. That's us. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of living in struggle at any level. I'm tired of living in struggle in the church setting. I'm tired of living in struggle in any aspect of my life. I'm just wanting to come to that place of understanding what the covenant is that God's given. Lord, I don't have it. I don't know how to do it. But I'm going to open my mouth wide. And I'm going to let you fill it. 